that word from Genesis. I'm grateful to be with you this morning. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm Parker James, I'm a pastor of Word of Glory Fellowship together with some of his mothers. Uh, it's my first time actually worshiping with Resurrection with Elena. I've prayed for this church since before it began. It's just uh, a dream and an idea that God Alden uh, was beginning to lean into. I'm very grateful for your presence and absence for your witness to our Lord Jesus. I want to ask you, as we've heard that passage from Genesis 18, have you ever laughed in the face of God? I don't know about you, but um, I think I've had opportunity to at least laugh at myself in the face of God this year. If you had told me last Christmas that by this Christmas um, my life would be arranged such as it is now, I don't know that I would have believed you if you had told me uh, that indeed our, our mother church uh, at Hill Chapel Baptist, our adopted mother, mother church, if you don't know, uh, there's just a wonderful story of us being welcomed by uh, a historically black Baptist church uh, just over in the, really in the middle of Athens, just down past the varsity, and before you get the cookout over there on Hancock as it crosses Broad. We've had a wonderful relationship there and, and joined in fellowship there and welcomed. When I say joined, we really became associate members in 2016. My wife and I wanted to welcome you here. And they've opened their building to us as um, a, a cross-cultural Presbyterian church, meeting there in the evening at a historically black Baptist church. It really is a work of God. God is alive in the world. Um, and Despite all that God did in bringing that about in our lives, which was a walk of faith, you know, it's not the plan that I had for my life, uh, but it's it's what living into God's dream has has led us to. Um, who knew what would come with this year, where COVID has hit disproportionately in the Black community, and so they still not opened their building. So, and by the way, they had opened it to us free of charge, right? loving us fully, saying, "Hey, this is a kingdom work. We are a kingdom church." see this go forward. Um, and yet, if you had told me that Hill Chapel would have been closed, the building would be closed since March by this time, and that they would be doing Facebook Live services, and, you know, this is a church with a lot of seniors in it, and that we would be indeed meeting online for our afternoon services, and that when we do meet in person, that now we would be meeting uh, out of doors, uh, on the block, down in Rock Springs by the branch, as the old times call it, which is Creekside, which, where we've had a number of times, at least on a monthly basis this fall. She told me that my family would uh, move out of our home and have to leave it because of a structural issue in the midst of a pandemic, and that we would now have moved across Baxter into the Rock Springs community ourselves, living in much closer proximity uh, to those neighbors there who we've been reaching out to for many years. I don't know if I would have believed you. I would have been wondering, how is it that my wife would have agreed to that? Right? I would have been wondering, you know, uh, whose plan is this? Uh, we've got four kids at home, right? The whole notion of living anywhere uh, sounds a bit absurd. And yet here we are. Uh, this is what we're living into. If, if you don't know, uh, Baxter Street is one of those historic dividing lines in Athens, which is kind of a, 
unwritten boundary between historically black neighborhood and predominantly white neighborhood. One of them uh, we call Five Points, and the other one we call Rock Springs. Now, in the eyes of the Lord, these are not uh, simply enclaves of lifestyle communities that he acknowledges, right? But we're just neighbors. And my house that we've lived in for 12 years is on Fortson Drive, which runs right parallel to the back. So I can look out my back porch over these past 12 years, and I can see all the way across back. So I can see the Section 8 houses. And we had prayed before we came here from St. Louis. I'm from Georgia, by the way, at St. Mary's St. Louis at the college here. This is kind of coming home. But we were part of a cross-cultural church up there from New City Fellowship, which really expanded our vision for the welcoming community. And we prayed to be in a strategic location. We were in that house right on this boundary line of Baxter. And yet, it feels like a different world. And the realtors call it five points. We have to ask ourselves the questions, why do we name things such as they are? And why is our city arranged such as it is? And over the years, I had increasing conviction to be somebody who was bridging across that path. I didn't know that it would involve moving across and now living on a corner right next to the Rock Springs Community Center. But it's been amazing. And I don't even know how long we will continue there because our house is under renovation, but it will at least be through this year. And so many people that we already knew there that we've been reaching out to now accept us on another level of community member, of neighbor, of just legitimate people because they can see a little bit more of our ordinary life and we're not so separate as we once were. I wonder, do you have a water bottle by chance? I could use a glass, that'd be great. So, um, if you told me all that, I don't know if I believe you, but I will say that I'm so glad. 2020 should raise the question for us all. I'm sure you have your stories of the things that you wouldn't imagine that you're doing or that you're not doing uh, as a result of the pandemic. Um, but 2020, I think, should, should raise the question for us all. Where do we look for the visitation of God? It is the Lord, after all, who brings plagues in the Bible and who lifts them. And he does so with good purpose. He does so in order to bring his people up out of Egypt. He does so in order to discipline Israel and to draw her back to himself, even if he has to send her into exile. What is it that we celebrate at Christmas time? If it is not the very visitation of God in another more crucial and more personal way in the Christ child. The Christ child who comes, as it were, to bring peace on earth, goodwill toward man. Have we forgotten that the gospel of God is a gospel of peace? And yes, the Lord allows for upheaval on the earth as well. He brings judgment even through the allowance of social unrest and the warfare. We love to quote Psalm 42, I mean 46 which talks about being stood. But do we know what the verses are just ahead of that? It says, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. Desolations. Do you think of the, the Lord as the one who brings desolations on the earth? 
He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted on the earth. I will be exalted among the nations. God is saying, I will fulfill my plan, even if it is despite my people. And whatever disruption is necessary, he will allow wars on the earth in order to demonstrate and to bring about his peace. And that is what he is doing through the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ among his people. Consider Isaiah's prophecy. He also speaks of warfare. Every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. In Hebrew it's Sar Rishonon. What a wonderful time. Is Christ the Prince of Peace in your life today and in the life of his church? I wonder. I think that we we preach, as it were, a short-changed, an apocopated gospel. It's a note that's held short without playing the full score. We love to preach of the one who came for us to put on flesh, to bear the sin of the world, and to die. You know, and, and so that we might know forgiveness. And yes, that is crucial at the very heart of the gospel. But it's not the end of the story. One of the things I love about this church is your name, the resurrection. You ask so many Christians, what's the gospel? They don't even go on to mention the resurrection. Thank you, buddy. How quickly we'll summarize and say, Christ died for our sins so that we might be forgiven and restored to God. But we don't go on to even say that he is also risen and that he's alive. He's not still strung up there on the Roman cross of shame, but that he lives. And not only does he live, but that he ascended to the right hand of the Father in glory. And he went there. Why? But to pour out his spirit upon him, upon the church. I love it. Jared's prayers this morning, we heard mention of the spirit, of the forgotten member of the Trinity among so many Presbyterians. Do you believe that the incarnation and the coming of Christ was not simply so that Christ might do a work and give us a ticket to redemption, but that he might come to share his own life with us? Is that part of your summary of the gospel? That we might share in the very life of God by the Spirit, and that by the Spirit, God would give birth to his presence among his people on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. When we read about Sarah and her laughter at the prospect that God could do what he's going to do, despite her age. We should be all the more impressed with young Mary 
you'll receive something which is just as or even more so astounding. That the Lord will be birthed in the three Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. How ironic it is to me that we here in the present time, our culture is fascinated with the things that we can build, with the prospects of artificial intelligence and with machine learning. And we're telling stories, dreaming dreams of space adventure and telling stories about space cowboys. And yet the thing into which angels long to look is the life of God in the presence of his people, in the life of the church. We read of what God had planned to birth through Abram and Sarah. We should be reminded to consider what it is that he intends to birth through us as his people. Make no mistake. The good news of the gospel is that God is coming to dwell among his people. That God desires to share life with us. And he so desires to share his own life with us that he's willing to to undergo anything and to bring us through anything in order to make sure that it comes about. And so if we're going to be a people of radical welcome, when we at Lord of Glory speak about being a church of radical welcome, it's one of our guiding principles. This is nothing less, it's nothing less than this that we mean, that we want to be the people who are living into that spiritual peace that is promised through Jesus Christ and through the presence of his Holy Spirit, to live into communion intentionally across the boundaries of this world. And if we're living as a people of radical welcome, then we must recognize that, that, that we're following after the example of the Savior himself. And we will recognize through Christ's teaching and through beginning to live the life of this welcome is not an occasional welcome, but that Christian welcome is a lifestyle of welcome. How can I say that? Well, first, I just want to point to Abram and Sarah. Abram, by this point, is 99 years old. Sarah is 90. By the way, God got started with calling Abram out of Ur when he was 75. It's so easy to to look at our lives and think that we're done because we may be getting a little older. But God may be planning the best things yet that he wishes to bring about through us when we least expect it. Abram had faith to leave his father's house and go to Canaan, but he has a real hard time believing that God's going to fulfill this promise, that he's going to actually bring about nations, that he's going to bring about a multitude of people numbering as the stars of the heavens and the sand of the seashore when he has that new biological child. And he, together with Sarah, concocted a different plan. It was Abram who was laughing in the face of the Lord in the previous chapter. Oh, Lord, let Ishmael live before you. No, 
but through Isaac show your offspring you It will be through the child of faith, despite the plans that you have made. And so nonetheless, still, we see a man 99 years old who is ready to welcome the stranger at his doorstep. Don't miss it, church. Understand, this, this passage in Genesis 18 is, is not just an incidental pass-by passage. It is the quintessential picture of righteous welcome in the Bible. That this senior man, with the wealth that he has in his house, and all that, that, that God has given to him, is standing by the tree while he welcomes these strangers to eat, and while his wife works and labors to serve them. It is a wonderful picture of welcome, and it stands in direct contrast to what will happen in the next chapter when the same visitors go to Sodom, and we know what kind of welcome they receive there. One in which they are sought to be used up and abused in any which way they can. It is still the case in many parts of the world that hospitality, that the the welcome of the stranger is the litmus test for righteousness in a community. And Jesus Christ makes this the very test for the entry of the kingdom of God. Do you remember Matthew 25? The sheep and the goats. How will Christ at the judgment divide between those who have known him and those who have not? I was a stranger, he says, and you welcome. I was naked and you clothed me. I was thirsty and you brought me something to drink. Thank you, brother. I was hungry and you fed me. I was sick and I was in prison and you visited me. Or you did not do so. And here's the interesting thing about that passage in Matthew 25. Both groups, both the sheep and the goats, are surprised at him saying this. And they say, when did we do it? When did we welcome you? When did we welcome you as a stranger? And, and, and when did we not do it? And he says, when you did it, what? Unto the least of these. You did it unto me. Well, when you did not do it unto the least of these, you did not unto me. Remember, it's the same gospel in which Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount that many will have called him Lord, Lord. Many who have done mighty works in his name, he will say to them at the judgment, depart from me, I never knew you. So what that tells us in, in the picture of the sheep is those, the reason they don't know when they did it is because it was just, it had become their way of life. They were all the time welcoming the stranger, all the time going uh, to visit those who were sick, those who were in prison. You know how many people are in prison in Athens? There's a lot of them, I can tell you. And some of them who, are, who have been in it and who are out now are connected with our church. Praise God. The Lord has given me the grace to be able to see the prisoners in our community. And there's a lot of them. We spent, Athens, Clark County, a few years ago, spent almost $100 million to renovate and expand the jail. Just to get some perspective, the high-rise luxury apartments that surround us now, there were three projects going at the time, and I tallied up the sums at the time. And all of them together, of three of them, would not equal the sum that was being spent in jail. We have to look underneath the surface to be able to see what's really happening in our, in our community. 
I remember asking the incoming mayor, was this a wise decision, this investment? And Mayor Gerson's credit said, actually, I think, you know, it was, it was a, I'm not against having a jail. Many of the guys that I know, they really needed to be in there. And they may have even got some help over there. But what does it say about a community when that's our main plan? Right? If it is, in order to deal with people who are on the margins, we're going to build out the jail. We're going to build up whatever we have to do. What if we were opening our homes rather than building up steel cages? What if we knew one another so that we didn't have to steal from one another, but we share from one another? In the decade that I lived in Five Points, the only time that you would see people from Rock Springs, the only time, is there's a few times. Primarily, it would be when people are looking for uh, work, come to the neighborhood, and they would ask if they could make food guard so they could earn a few dollars. Or, if they were actually stealing something or burgling something from the neighborhood, we've been burgling uh, on that street before car window busted out, somebody went for a gun. And I had actually helped the police apprehend the guy who had been running for them through the night, and I saw him coming through the wall uh, one day. That's when we cross paths with one another, primarily. Also Halloween, because everybody goes to play rehearsal for Halloween, even Rock Springs folks in the Vietnam, which is which is actually cool. The other time is when we started welcoming people in our home. And you know, we think that we're going to make ourselves safe by actually building more and more layers of insulation around our lives to live out this so-called American dream. And what we're doing is we're actually making and creating a more dangerous society. Because we don't know one another, and we don't know how to find one another, to help each other out. And so until this becomes the lifestyle of God's people, living into radically welcome on a regular and new day, I don't think we'll see the fulfillment of what God intends for us. Secondly, we also, and let me just say that lifestyle piece, it's not just about all those radical folks who own the margins, right? The, the radical welcome of the kingdom comes into the very ordinary life of our home as well. Because we have learned to welcome folks in the margins, I have also learned to listen to my wife. Uh, because we have an adoptive child that, that came through foster care. Again, it wasn't the plan for our life. We had three biological and one adoptive child. But, but I am continually reminded, however frustrated I may get with my adoptive son, and I do, uh, he's a fireball. He's a, um, I, with him, I am constantly reminded, like, he is the fatherless child that God said his heart was. Remember, God, it wasn't just New Testament, right? Old Testament Israel, God said, my heart is for, I love the sojourner in the land, the alien in the land, and, and the fatherless and the widow. And I'm reminded I'm chastened to extend mercy and compassion to my son because of that. But guess what? I'm also reminded to extend mercy and compassion to my biological children who also can drive me up the wall. And who can drive me to the point of like, well, what kind of father do you want to have? Especially in the midst of this pandemic, right? 
We finally do have actually some office space because we had to do something uh, in order to actually have some sanity to get some work done again. So, but I'm just telling you, the radical welcome of the kingdom, when we say it's a lifestyle and when Christ emphasizes the people on the margins, he's calling us to consider the margins so that we might see the whole, so that we might actually welcome one another in love and compassion and with mercy as he does. And so it is also that when we welcome God's presence, we must also welcome his word. And I think this is the thing that stands out so much, really comically, in the story of Abe and Sarah, right? Because the angels are there, and we get it. Sarah's in the tent, and she hears what they say. That's, this time next year, she's going to be she's gonna be with child. She's going to help you. And she chuckles to herself, right? Who can forgive her? The way of women is past. I mean, who, who can blame her? I would have chuckled with her. She seems like a good-natured person, right? And yet she doesn't believe the word of God. And isn't this so much like the church? Aren't we so much like the patriarchal family still? Sarah at least laughs quietly inside the tent. Abram fell on his face in the previous chapter and laughed in God's face. Have you perhaps been someone who has labored to prepare a table for the very presence of the Lord, and yet when you hear his word that he has promised to his people, you found yourself chuckling that it would never be so? Do we not, even as believers, struggle with unbelief? And so, if we are going to extend the welcome of God, the key here, y'all, is we don't get to set the terms. Have you, perhaps, like Abe and Sarah, concocted your own plan about how the kingdom is going to come about because you got tired of waiting? And so, you ventured to do it in a different way, as they did with Hagar. And the whole tragedy that brings that comes from that through Ishmael, who is the child of the flesh. And yet God has grace for Ishmael and Adon as well. Where is it, church, that we are seeking to manage the promises of God on our own terms, but we are simply laughing and chuckling to, to suppose that God could ever bring about what he has actually promised to do? And what has he promised? That he's promised peace on earth. He's promised a communion that would confound the world because of our love for one another across the boundaries. Paul says in Ephesians that this is the very mystery of Christ. That the Gentiles are included in the same covenant with Israel. That in Christ, the dividing walls of hostility have been broken down in his flesh that he might create in himself one new man so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is a faith walk, church. It doesn't happen without the Spirit. But the good news is God is committed to bring about his kingdom in no other way than through his love manifest by his Spirit in the life of his people in the church. And so finally, in conclusion, I just want to know that if we're ever going to really become a people of Christian welcome, 
who are known for this kind of radical hospitality, risking ourselves for the sake of our neighbors. And we're going to have to learn what it is to also live as the guest who are welcomed and hosted at the table of Jesus Christ himself. I'm not going to be a very good uh, welcomer of others unless I realize how radical the welcome is that I have received. How undeserving I am of the grace and the mercy of Jesus. How little and small my faith actually is. We celebrate at Christmas that Mary carried the Christ child unto birth, right? But the whole story is about God coming in and accommodating us to help us to see that we really do belong to him, that his love really is for us, that all things are his and even we ourselves. Consider the birds of the air, says Jesus. Don't be anxious for tomorrow. The birds, they don't, they don't tool or spin or gather in the woods. And yet your father provides for them. His eye is on the sparrow. There's not a hair of your head that falls to the ground or a bird that dies that he doesn't know about in church. And what about you? Jesus says, are you not of much more value than many sparrows? I'll leave you with the testimony of one young man that you've seen God work in over these past several years, and especially this fall. His name's Murphy. And Murph Jr., I know his dad as well, so I've got to clarify. Murph Jr., he, three years ago, when he first started visiting the Lord of Glory, he was so skeptical. And why should he be? He was already, at like 14 years old, 14, 15, a major saint and skeptic. Why should I believe in God? What has God ever done for me? Coming from a broken home, parents in and out of jail. Being recruited by some of the local gangs. And I realized he's a brilliant kid. I realized I could answer his questions that he had about God. He was full of questions about Jesus. I could answer his questions, but I realized he was never going to be persuaded until he saw the demonstration of the love of God in his and over the years, as he's been in and out of fellowship, mostly out, um, I would just remind him, and I had the chance again this fall as we moved into the neighborhood to reconnect with him. And he had just come from eating breakfast at Hope Springs on Baxter Street and then eating lunch over at The Light, which is another mission church in Long Springs. And then he'd come to my house looking for some help with something else. And he had the audacity to ask me, uh, what has God ever done for me? <laughs> right there, right there. And I said, okay, well, we've known each other for a while now. And his dad, by the way, part of what happened is his dad, who was on the street, ended up living in our basement, which is the only part of our house that's not in the renovation. So me and his dad had switched sides of Baxter Street. We're living in Rock Springs, and he's living in Five Points. 
that he's trying to get into recovery and get out of his issues. And his son was just overwhelmed by all of this. And his dad got to be there um, when he and I prayed together and prayed that he would receive Christ. He said, Amen. But I said to him, before that happened, he and Sam were on the porch, and I said, all right, God's never done anything for you, but you just told me you ate breakfast at Hope Springs, and you had lunch at the light, and now you're coming to my house. Does it, has it ever occurred to you that it's no accident that all these places are Christian places? That God does indeed care for the birds of the air, and he cares for you. And he said, well, you got a good point there, Pastor Parker. You got a good point. Um, I hadn't really thought about it. Just recognize, church, God is always the one who is playing the host in the end. He plays the host for Abel and Sarah. He plays the host for Mary and Joseph. He serves the host even now for us as we come together to the Lord's table. But praise God, that same young man who's now 18, just turned 18 in November. And we took like that. We, we, we took a canoe trip down the, the middle of the country. Me and his dad and him celebrated his 18th birthday. This is what it's about, church. It's about shared life, right? Not just a handout and a word, but shared life. But now Merv Jr. wonders why other people don't believe in God. And he prays with him. He prayed at, 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 the, at a friend's. A friend's dog had died, and they're, they're burying the dog, and he asked to pray, and, and it was a family of people that were really hostile towards God, and he said, I don't know what's wrong with this. And now he acts like he's been believing all along. Right? So God is moving at Athens, y'all. He's able to do far beyond what we have yet even asked or imagined. But I would challenge you, increase your faith. Live into the liminal zones. Be willing to get out of the boat and step forward by faith and expect that God will move. He has no other plan than to bring it about through the church. And if we are to be those who are filled with the Spirit of God, then we will be those not who are fascinated with the charismatic gifts, but who are overcome with steadfast love for our neighbors in such a way that people cannot any longer deny that God is alive in the world. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift through Jesus Christ the Savior. Let's live into it together. This is not just a work that the Lord of Lord is doing uh, so that others don't have to. <laughs> We're just seeking to be obedient to God's call, and we hope it's a catalyst for others to see what's possible in our city. We do need support, we need financial support, we need prayer support. Uh, we don't have a certain uh, amount in the coming year monthly that I'm going to go by vocation. You know, I'm just not going to stop. Just recognize when we get new members, oftentimes it doesn't mean very much uh, new income. In fact, it often means more needs uh, for the body. And so we need to call on those who may have an excess, who may have plenty to supply the lack. We've committed that nobody who's in the middle of our body is going to be on the street uh, so long as they're in submission to the life of the community. We will make sure they have a home and we have to do so. So let me pray uh, even now. Father God, thank you for your love for your people. Thank you that you've not left us to ourselves and our own devices 
in our ungodly unbelief, but that you have implanted in us the living word of Jesus. And that you have enabled us to live into the glory of that communion, which is the coming of the heavenly kingdom. Would you give us the grace to live beyond ourselves in 2021? To walk by faith and not by sight. Would you be pleased, Father, to heal our city and to birth among your people a witness that the world cannot deny so that many more may come to know the love of Jesus Christ among us and bow before you as Father and share in your life. Thank you for coming to us and for promising to be the one who in time to come would indeed dress yourself for service and welcome us at your table. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.